Are you looking for a new website to place your bets? Well, I've got the perfect sportsbook for you to check out. TopNotchOdds.com They offer dozens of betting options per game. And with live betting, well, they've got that covered too, offering literally hundreds of live bets every single game. Deposit with Bitcoin, MoneyGram, or credit card. And best of all, withdraw your money within hours of requesting a payout. So start winning money today online at topnotchodds.com. This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show once again, College Football Weekly. I'm your host, Will Chambers. To my left, Tyler Walgie. Tyler, how you doing? Back from Vegas. Back in from one Vegas. Piece. Yeah, you made it. Uh, You're made alive. It barely. Yeah, you no hospital trips. I wanted no to. Chails, or no no uh, trips to you know the jail, the local county jail. I wanted to extend the trip. Every every time it's my last day in Vegas, I always have a quick you know little. Do I want to just go one more day? Make up some bogus story about actually hilarious story. So when I used to, this was years ago. I very it, when I got my first job that I really cared about. In okay. Radio, okay. And I went to Vegas, and my it was a road trip. I went out there with some of my buddies from college, and uh, I was supposed to be back at work on Monday. It's a quick little weekend trip, and so we road tripped out there. My buddy drove his Audi. Ooh, and fancy. Yeah, he had one of these really kind of fancy Audis, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So we get to Vegas, you know, great Vegas trip, typical Vegas trip. Last day there, he realizes that he has lost his keys to his car. Oh, now, no. normally, this wouldn't be such a bad situation, but this was such a specific kind of Audi that it had to be laser cut and like right. manufactured by a specific Audi. It wasn't just any Audi dealer. It was like a specific Audi person. The closest one at this point, this was in 2010, I believe, 2009, mm-hmm. 2010. The closest person to the city center of Las Vegas at that point could do that was like 50 miles away. Of course. So uh, we'll keep him nameless here. Uh, he <laughs> he had to drive and stay a hotel an extra night just to get this key made. I had to call my boss and tell them I was stuck in Vegas. They didn't believe me for a second. Well, I mean, at first. They go, well, they believed you were in Vegas, but not because... Exactly. Well, they didn't go, you're not stuck in Vegas. You know, it's... Yeah, uh, my you want to be there. My buddy lost his key, so we're going to be here a few more days. They're going, no, Of you course. I would have thought the same thing, just I know. so you know. If, <laughs> I, if know, I was your right? boss and you're like, I can't get back to Vegas, my friend lost his keys, I'd be like, uh-huh. Exactly. The dog ate your homework (laughs) that's it that's how it felt but it was a real story and that happened before but But a uh, good weekend though for you great yeah yeah pretty good weekend this weekend i mean it was a quick little trip two-day trip uh made a couple sports bets made a couple bets on the table it was uh it was nice little getaway to the single best place on the face of the earth i don't know about that but smack dab in the middle maybe for you of the mojave desert hundred thousands of miles maybe even away from the nearest beach so your favorite place for sure that's where we ended last i tell you what man las vegas is amazing you want the beach you go down to Mandalay Bay. You want something nice like Paris? You go right on to Paris. That's you right. Want, yeah, Paris is yeah. right there. New you York City. You want to go City. see some animals? You go to Mirage. You want to New York City? You go to New York, New York. The pyramids. The pyramids go right, of, of head, head right on down to Luxor. You're right. It is all there. It's all there for you. Yeah, Best well, place we, on earth. Well, but, but let me tell you, I uh, I sat down yesterday. I was up and down on tables. Didn't play too much. Didn't gamble too much. I uh, like to play blackjack, though, when I do. And yesterday, I sat down in the morning, and I got beaten 
left and right did on you, the blackjack tables. It was not uh, did not you double down on eleven. Yeah, I was doing that. I was doing you all the good you stuff. You always double down on eleven. I was doing all the good stuff. But let me. T- it, it didn't go well, Will. I ain't seen a beating like that since somebody stuck a banana in my pants and turned the monkey loose. <laughs> didn't end up well for <laughs> me. But, but you know what? Fun trip. We went and saw Blue Man Group. Saw the bodies exhibit. It was a good time overall. So everything's good. No Everything's sand. Everything's good. Tyler, good we gravy. found out Tyler doesn't like sand. We also. <laughs> I want to bring it up because last week we talked about the Mandela effect. Yes. And this is funny because the one that you actually had me convinced on was the We Are the Champions one. Yeah, but then did you see I sent a link to you? I sent it to you on Instagram. Oh, okay. I have not seen that. It's in the song. So you were wherever you saw that. So the whole end of the world thing, like you can just play the song on YouTube and it's right there in the song. Uh, So maybe we're back in that reality. (laughs) Well, we're just going back and forth. I think this is a Seinfeld where she's where she's switching back and forth. Bizarro world. Bizarro. Yeah, I think that this is just more a perfect example of how uh, bad conspiracy theories spread is that one guy says something the other guy goes no way and then he tells a bunch of people on a podcast and then everyone who's listening out there probably went home and was like wait did you know that of oh, the world isn't in the song but it totally is it's right there because then i i was listening to it and i was like oh yeah it's right there so i don't know where you read that tyler you, you know what seinfeld episode that is what that's the festivus one where they're celebrating festivus and they keep and she's switching back and forth in the in the in the light and the shade the Bizarro one? No, 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 no. With, oh, with the two yeah, face. the Two Face. Well, yeah, she's going back and forth. That's, That's right. The Bizarro or the uh, uh, Festivus one, and Festivus is next Monday, the twenty third. That's true. So happy Festivus, happy everybody! Festivus yeah, to you. hope you all have a. Uh, it is the holiday season. It is. Yeah. Well, we got a oh, good sorry, show. Sorry to ruin that for you. No, though, no, no. But, no, but you're like good. I said, it's simple explanation. We're just back in this timeline. You're right. We're just jumping back and yeah, forth. You're exactly. Right. It's not wasn't a mistake. Well, this is all very simple stuff. Uh, well, we got a good show today. Uh, we're going to talk the Heisman. We got, we're giving out some bull picks, and of course, uh, we have some interviews this week. So we talked with a longtime college football handicapper and a columnist at WinDailyDFS.com, Jacob Reb. We also spoke with the host of the Get the Ball Rolling podcast, Tyler Fessler, who's going to be joining the Woos Media team next year. So we've got those interviews coming up. That was really good. But Tyler, the thing that I wanted to lead with, of course, is I got another bet board victory under my belt. Wow, and, and Will brought in a sound clip just for me this week. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. Eleven and five, five and two. I'm on only the six year. back after being down eleven to two mm-hmm. with two pushes. Yep, uh, I am slowly clawing my way back. You know, you know. Uh, uh, what what's the saying? A uh, a wounded animal is the most dangerous. That is, uh, well, I think it goes something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a healthy tiger might be more uh, dangerous than mm-hmm. a wounded, you know, cat. But uh, yeah, let's be careful there. But yeah, I got another. I got another bet board well, tigers victory. Are, tigers are cats. I was thinking you're right. Like a house cat is what yeah. I meant to okay. say. Thank you for correcting mm-hmm. me. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, now I'm I'm only six games back, and we've got bowl season ahead of us. Tyler, if I were to complete this comeback, this would be like. It would basically be, uh, you know, we'd have the NC State Jimmy V <laughs> game, and then there would be the uh, Miracle on Ice, number two, and then this one, number one. This would be the greatest comeback in sports history, I think. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Come on, man, eleven and two. It's not gonna happen. At the very least, this is a regression to show that you weren't, 
you know, that you shouldn't have been blowing me out by by nine, well, right? Well, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, I think eighty percent should be my baseline. <laughs> I think eight out of ten games should be expectation over the long run for me. Uh, well, we're coming back. Let me tell you something. On that plane ride, when I was having my fourth Jack and Coke on the way back, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you, see, usually the the plane out to Vegas is the one where you want to be tying. Yeah, on the Jack, that's actually Jack very and true. Cokes. And and I've been better because there were a couple trips coming back from Vegas a couple years ago where you're drunk on the way back, and then you get back and it's like, wait a minute, I have to drive home now, and you're Ubering home. It's a whole mess. So you got to plan for the drive home now. You got to be yeah. responsible. Yeah, maybe just don't fly super drunk is probably just a good rule of thumb in yeah, general so unless you're well. on your way to a vacation that's what i'm thinking yeah but anyway so on the way back yesterday i was doing a lot of uh i'm ready to go today i'm coming with some fire not that not that uh not not new week stuff today will yeah well we've got, we got some good four picks. or five bowl games here so we'll find out if, if uh if we end up on the opposite side here obviously we had said i think in last week's show that uh tyler is going to get the gun to the head treatment for bowl season he's going to be picking Every single game, he's no longer holding back. He's going to be going against his better judgment as a professional gambler, at least for the show. Yes. He's going to be at least – we're forcing you to pick a side when well, it comes it, to bowl well, games. This was my idea. Don't act like you guys held me down and, and did, gave me this Caesar treatment where I'm getting – Tyler's winking right now for everyone that can't <laughs> see. He knows that he's a hostage. I you know thought what this it is? would this be is... more fun if we were forced to have likes for every game because – what happens a lot of the time, and, and I think it's fair because, look, we don't just want to get on here and, and be disingenuous about games we like or, or don't like. So throughout the course of the entire season, it's very appropriate, I think, for the audience to say leans, likes, sure. we love certain games, and to, and to kind of put them in different baskets. But for bowl season, it's going to be fun to force games, right? So you have to have a like for every game. If it was a pass, if we're not betting it, so what? You come to the show, you have to have a like. And that's going to make things more fun, man. Classic Stockholm Syndrome right there. Tyler <laughs> talking his way through uh, being held captive here. But uh, no, we'll get into the picks later. The first thing I wanted to start with was the Heisman. So, obviously, Joe Burrow wins, which everyone expected. That wasn't a surprise. He gave an amazing speech. Uh, I don't know if, if you how much if you saw the clips, Tyler. He gave a great speech. It was very emotional. He's crying. He got Coach O crying. Uh, anyone who's watching out there that has a heart was probably tearing up. It was a really good speech. It was very cool. And I, I think that they got it right. But the, thing, the only thing that, that pissed me off, frankly, about the Heisman thing is that, you know, they, some years they only – bring three finalists or they'll bring five or they'll bring four this year they brought four so it was joe burrow it was justin fields from ohio state chase young from ohio state and uh jalen hurts from oklahoma and obviously joe burrow wins but at the end when he after he's up there showing uh after his speech espn brought up this little uh what would you call it like a little side a thing on the side like a uh Teleprompter? An image. They brought up like, no, I mean like uh, it was on the screen for everyone to see. It was like a oh, little... Oh, graphic. Yeah, a graphic. Thank you. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> long day. Anyway, they brought up a graphic that showed uh, the final voting, right? How how the votes were tallied, who ended up where. And it showed that Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin ended up in fifth, which it's like if he's going to be fifth and you're even going to have the f them being able to vote for five, just bring Jonathan Taylor. He deserved it. His numbers at Wisconsin are crazy. I feel bad that... They kind of have this arbitrary thing where they only bring a certain number of guys every year. They could have just given him the fifth spot because everyone that was the guy that everyone felt like at least was left out of of the, the chance to go to New York. And he's had a great career. He's, his numbers are insane. I saw another cool tweet this week that showed Derrick Henry's Heisman winning season 
uh, his stats versus Jonathan Taylor's this year, and Jonathan Taylor's blow Derrick Henry's out of the water, and Derrick Henry won the Heisman with those numbers. Well, I mean, leave it to the NCAA to mess something like this up and not, you know, give these kids their right, their proper respect and, 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 and even stage. If you go and get invited, it's one thing. I was reading an article last week about, uh, I forget which Heisman ceremony it was, but it was the one with uh, Warren Sapp. And That's a throwback. Oh, long time ago. Yeah. And Warren Sapp knew he wasn't going to win it. But he was telling, uh, it was when Rashawn Salam won it for the C Buffs. Okay. And Warren Sapp was telling him before, he goes, hey, enjoy it. You're going to win it. I know I'm not here to win it. So I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to go out, have fun, talk to the media. These kids enjoy the opportunity to be in the spotlight. And Jonathan Taylor earned it. He had a great season. Now, I have actually kind of a, I don't want to get too Skip Bayless hot take, but I want to get your thoughts. I, I think Jonathan Taylor is a great kid, first and foremost. You ever hear him talk? You know, and, and I think he's a very good football player. But the Wisconsin running back spot just seems to me to be, if you're a good running back, you're going to get production at Wisconsin. You mentioned his numbers better than a lot of guys who've had success in the NFL. How good, though, do you really think Jonathan Taylor is? I think that he might. I, I, personally, I think he's the best Wisconsin running back. And you're right. They've had a number of them in the in the last decade or, or further. It's, it, you're right. It does seem like whoever's there, they always have a good offensive line. They're going to do well. I think he's probably the best. I think he will be very successful in the NFL. And the numbers show it. He hasn't had – I think he's uh, eclipsed 1,700 yards each of the last three years. I mean, insane numbers. He's at, like His career yards per carry is like seven or eight yards. He's a freak. And I get that argument to say, well, he's just another Wisconsin running back. But that kind of goes the same way for – I mean, how many times have we seen an Alabama running back – be in the Heisman vote. I mean, how many times have we seen them win one, right? Well, and it's not just... You can't the, penalize them for that. It's not just the school you're coming from. Look at his usage and how much he's running the ball. And now yeah. you want your running backs going into the NFL fresh. That's what they kind of prefer. But, you know, without getting too much on that path, I thought it was a great ceremony overall. Joe Burrow clearly deserved the Heisman. How fitting was it? There were two Buckeyes there. I think that was... Crazy. <laughs> I know, Crazy. man. Yeah. I know, but uh, overall, cool. <laughs> overall, a uh, good way. You know, I always like the Heisman ceremony. Good way to end, kind of, you know, turn the chapter, get ready for some postseason football. And uh, Joe Burrow deserved it. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. And then we had the one game. We had the Army Navy game, which the game ended up not being. I mean, yeah, we can. I'm, I wasn't actually bringing after it up just to, quarter, just to brag. After that first quarter, I'm going. Oh, all right, he's on have. the right side. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Uh, I think that the main thing with that was just that. Those teams, there's no secrets between those teams. They both run the triple option. They know each other's moves, right? They basically know each other's cards. And then it just becomes it becomes a game of rock, paper, scissors. You know, who's who's going to get the advantage each play? And Navy is just a better team. Their quarterback was incredible. Per, uh, Jalen Perry, I think, is, is Malcolm Perry, sorry. He had an incredible game. They only threw the ball one time, uh, Navy did. And they still put up, like, 37 points. They hammer Army. They get the cover. It, it was cool. I, I, I wish that in a rivalry game it would have been a little closer for a little bit more of the game just from an entertainment standpoint. Obviously, I'm glad they cover and I got the pick there. But even still, it's such a great tradition to see that. I, you love seeing all the cadets in the stands, all the fans out, all the pageantry. They do the flyover and everything. Uh, the Donald was there, you know. And, uh, and so it was cool, and I had fun watching it as the last kind of regular season you know air quote game that we had i always li- i like the jerseys they do the different yeah. helmets yeah it's always uh it's a great way to en- end things yeah for sure. for sure and now we got bowl season coming up and man i couldn't be more excited it's sad because the college football season is 
you know, it's wrapping up and we all know that uh, after these bowl games, we have to wait another, it's the longest off season in sports. We're going to have to wait until the end of August, till September to get college football back. Sad. But it's been a really good year. I'm wondering, do you, do you have a moment of this year specifically that, that you, you would say is your favorite moment in college football just off the top of your head? I mean, nothing jumps off in terms of huge moments. There mm-hmm. weren't that, at least for me, that many big moments. The, the Oregon game at the beginning of the year was a big one. Yeah, um, you know what? Actually, and I had a lot of money on it, and it's it, it's a it was an early season game, and it was kind of a statement for a new coach this year. One a game I promise you, no one out there's thinking of. It's the North Carolina South Carolina game, and it was during our fantasy football draft. Wasn't that going on? There? Yeah, that was week one. Also, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and that was when everyone thought South Carolina was going to be a competing for the SEC because they brought yeah. so many seniors back and for they were sure. such an older team and that was the narrative and they were playing this Mac Brown young UNC team Sam Howell yes. the freshman quarterback yes. yeah and they go out that was fun and, and it, I think that stands out to me because throughout the course of a long offseason you just mentioned longest of any sport you forget little things about college football like that and, yeah. and, and the season hits week one's here you're excited we have our bets out there and it reminds you quickly. You go, oh, okay, okay. It, it, the what college football is all about for sure. And so while that wasn't a marquee game, that for some reason pops into my mind as one of the, you know, for me one of the kind of more memorable moments of, of 2019. Obviously, the bigger games, the those bigger L, uh, LSU, Alabama, Alabama, Auburn. You yeah. know, some of those games this year, Auburn, LSU, or uh, uh, Oregon, Auburn to start yeah. the season was a big one for sure. But aside from that, I mean. You know, I liked seeing Jalen Hurts have a good year with OU. Yeah, stick yeah, it, for stick sure. Stick it to Nick Saban. Totally, and he and it's funny because you know we talked about it a lot in our uh, preseason, like our preview podcast episodes, um, and it was a big talking point for everyone. It was how will Jalen Hurts fit into the system, and I think we were both kind of right. You know, I, I had question marks about his ability to throw the ball, and you were more on the side of like he's just kind of been held back from Nick Saban, and now he's the reins are off and he, and he's going to be able to go out there and chuck it. And it's kind of been in the middle, right? Like he's proven that he's a better thrower than what we saw at Alabama, but he also isn't, you know, he's clearly not on the same level when it comes to throwing the ball as Baker Mayfield and, and uh, who was the who, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. I always forget that. And, and so it seems like he might not be the ideal quarterback for what Lincoln Riley wants in his system, but He's certainly not complaining. I mean, the guy's a Heisman finalist. He's putting up crazy numbers, why, right? Why does he not get the respect? Like, what is it? Is it the way he runs? Is it no, the it's not way even that I, he does his job? I don't think the running is the negative. I think it's just that what you see in the passing game is that he's not he's not one of these quarterbacks. There's a reason why you don't see him even being mentioned as being like a first-round quarterback or one of these higher-level quarterbacks, and it's because... He definitely is one of those guys where he's got his one read, and if that's open, he's going to hit him. And if not, he's kind of scrambling around. It doesn't mean that he immediately runs. It might mean that he's looking downfield to find guys, but he's not. It's, it's, there is a difference, and, it, and it's minute. And to the average fan, they might not really see it, but there is a difference between that and, let's say, a guy like Joe Burrow who knows how to make the right read even after the snap sometimes. Not that he doesn't get pre-snap, pre-snap reads like other quarterbacks do, but I think that you see that he isn't as good as as doing the whole progression through his reads. You know, one of those like I know that's like a uh, well, and let's that's not a cliche for uh, quarterbacks. But let's also not forget that Lincoln Riley has a lot to do with all this. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. yeah. But he's done well, so I like that. I, I guess if I had a favorite moment this year, uh, we talk about it all the time, but it I, it would have to be 
the the video of Coach O in the locker room after the Alabama oh, game. Oh, here, let me. Uh, That's okay. You don't have to have the sound pulled up, yeah. but we've we've played it enough. But man, uh, just hearing the emotion out of Coach O, everything about Coach O, he's just been so much fun, and to see him getting emotional with that Heisman speech was just great. I just love that guy. Joe Burrow even said in his acceptance speech, he said, uh, I hope LSU gives this guy a lifetime contract. He deserves it. And I couldn't help but agree. I was like, yes, I hope he has a lifetime contract too. I never want to see him gone. He's he's a perfect fit for LSU. I am afraid a little bit that, uh, you know, I don't think it's unique to just Coach O, but you see a lot of times a coach can – jump into a new team and have success early and then it kind of fades away. Well, that's what I'm afraid of. That's what happened to Les Miles at LSU. And, well, and, and eventually, you know, because you won the national championship, those wins give you a long leash, but eventually it runs out if you're not winning, right? Yeah, the, the, it's... I think actually it's kind of unfortunate because the reason why it's such a big deal now is because not that many people really had LSU undefeated, winning the right. SEC. A lot of people thought they'd be good, but there were so many question marks. And the Alabama was always there. Exactly. Yeah. The expectations were not there. Now that the expectations are there, it has to be year after year. I mean, you mentioned the locker room speech and Coach O getting excited. What was he referencing? I, I, should I pull it up real quick? I do have it right yeah, here. We can play, play it. it. We're going to beat their ass in recruiting. We're going to beat their ass every time they see us. Okay. You understand that? Yes, sir. Roll that one. Fuck you. Every time. And the reason why he's referencing Bama, well, of course, they just beat Alabama that game, but Alabama's had a target on their back for a decade. Yeah. Nick Saban does this every year and gets the same recruit or gets great recruiting classes and coaches these guys up and loses sophomores and juniors to the draft every year and has to redo it with a new coaching staff and new players. Yep. Nick Saban has proven he can do it year after year with the expectations being high. I love Ed Orgeron. You know, uh, we, I think both of us have a lot of respect for him and what he's done in LSU and how he's brought them back. But the reality is that the reason coaches get fired so often in the SEC is because the expectations are to keep up with Alabama and yeah. win those games. Now that LSU is doing that and they're going to expect it year after year, if it doesn't become a norm, this is actually going to be a negative. Do you think Coach O keeps this up for a long time? Um, hey, let, let me ask you a different way. Yeah. Let's, let's get in our hot tub time machine. Okay. And go forward eight years. Okay. Is he still the coach at LSU? Eight years. That's such a tricky number. Um, I will say yes. And the reason why is because I think at the very least, let, let's say they win the NAS championship this year, which I think they have a good chance, especially with the the, the NAS championship game. You know, if LSU can beat Oklahoma, which everyone is kind of assuming they will, I think it's very likely. The NAS championship game is in New Orleans in the Superdome. That's a huge deal. That that gives them a big edge uh, against uh, you know whether they're facing Clemson or Ohio State. I I would say there's a good chance that LSU wins it this year. And even if not, they beat Alabama and they made it to the playoff, right? They're probably going to go to the national championship game at the very least. I think that will give him, at a minimum, a five- or six-year leash, that's right? a long leash. Six-year six leash because... You know what we what we've seen is that the floor for LSU. I'm, I I, doubt, I don't see it very likely that he'll have a seven and five year in the future. I think eight and four, nine and three is the floor for LSU. But, but, but you're actually the perfect person to be in this to ask this it's scenario right. to because it's Michigan. Very much. Like, I was gonna get to that because they finally got that monkey off the back and they beat Alabama, which is a rivalry game for them. They finally proved they did it. That is gonna give them like the, uh, that. That will give him a very long leash. And so let's say that he goes. You know, nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one, but can't beat Alabama. Still, I I don't think they'll fire him for that unless it's like seven or eight years down the road. And I think he can probably 
with how we're seeing, and this may be a bold claim, I do think that maybe we're seeing, I, <laughs> I could be wrong, I do think we'll, we're going to see Alabama just decline slightly. I don't think they're just going to collapse, but I think that it's just so hard to maintain that level of of uh, of success and and accomplishment that they've had for so long. And so I what I think is that LSU over the next eight years is probably going to get two, maybe three at, at the least wins against Alabama because you have to think that this win against Alabama, it's going to help them in recruiting. They were already recruiting so well. That will help them. They might be able to steal some recruits away yeah, from if Alabama. If they start beating Alabama on the red, exactly. then, then, then this is all moot. But that's, so, that's easier said than done. I mean, look, I, I, if you had to put me at a confidence level, I'd, mm. you know, I would, I, it'd be right at 50-50. But I, I think, yes, I think he will be the coach there in eight but years. But again, you know this more than anyone, the excitement in college football, uh, it, that it dies down quick. Yeah, you know, for sure. P- people's people, memories are very, very short yes, in this sport. Yeah, and so in a lot of sports nowadays, that's really kind of becoming the trend across all sports for the most part. But I do think that I mean, look how many how many active college football coaches are there with the national championship? It's like five or less. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you that's, know, it, w- with Mac Brown stat. coming back, it added like for a while there was only like two. It was like Jimbo Fisher and and Urban Meyer were like, and and Nick Saban were the only guys. It was like three guys, and now we did have like Les Miles come back, and we had. Uh, we had a Mac Brown Mac come Brown. back. Mac but Brown I, is great. Yeah, Mac for Brown sure. sounds like what South Park would sound like trying to impersonate George Bush. Yeah, for sure. If, they, he, if South Park had a great, George Bush character, he's that, got that great Southern like accent. Yeah. It's like his that kind of Southern accent specifically that Mac Brown has. Like that guy could talk you into anything. <laughs> like that guy. That guy's got a bridge to sell you for sure. He he could convince. It's just it, it's so disarming immediately. The second he, he came up, he's like, "Hey Tyler, how you doing?" <laughs> you're never gonna look at this guy kind of side eyed and be like, "What's he about?" You're just gonna be like, "I love this guy. He's right, great. He's right. my buddy." Yeah. So you're right. I mean, there's only. There's not that many college football coaches with an ass championship under their belt, five or six active, maybe, and uh, and I think that for I think this is going to buy a lot of time for for uh, for Ed Ordron, and I and I hope he's there in eight years for sure. There you go. Uh, so now that we're done with that. We'll get into some of these interviews. So earlier today, we had a chance to catch up with Jacob Reb. Uh, he was on to talk about his view as a football handicapper, how he approaches bowl season and whatnot so we'll go ahead and play that back for you now here is jacob reb all right we're here with jacob reb he's a longtime college football handicapper also a sports betting columnist with windailydfs.com jacob how you doing hi how's it go- how's it going guys good man good to have you on the show um so you're a uh, a sports handicapper you i think you do more than just college football though right but you do i know you bet on college football but you you uh, also pick other sports is that right uh yeah i cover pretty much everything these days so awesome and uh yep so now we got uh playoff season coming around we got bowl games all that most wonderful time of the year yeah best time of year for sure so i wanted to get your opinion uh kind of from the a handicapper's perspective uh let's just start it off maybe uh most overrated or underrated bowl coaches this year something that we can maybe get an edge when we're looking at some of these bowl games sure sure um so some of the things that I, I have to, you know, repeat to people is, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens during the year um, doesn't always matter in bowl games. A lot of it comes down to desire to play. Um, guys go into the NFL um, injuries and, um, you know, a lot of it's coaching. You know, coaches want to finish a strong season uh, with a good bowl game at the end of the year. So there's a, a few coaches that stand out. Um, of course, Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. Um, he's nine and one ATS his last 10 bowl games, six and one ATS in the playoffs. Uh, 
Um, you can't get much better than that. I mean, especially going six and one ATS in the playoffs. Um, it's big. Um, also, Kyle Winningham from Utah. Um, you wouldn't always suspect it, but he's eleven and two in bowl games, um, including nine and four straight up. Um, so I really like that. Um, Skip Holtz from uh, Louisiana Tech. Um, he's got a perfect five and zero straight up and against the spread record in bowl games. Um, and Tom Herman, um, you know the perennial underdog. Um, he's three and zero straight up in ATS and bowl games, um, including three upset wins. Uh, that's in his last three. Uh, yeah. Um, and for underperformers, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. Um, oh, he's you're lost gonna do me dirty three, like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, three straight um outright ats losses for michigan um you know they've just been a, a letdown um mike leach from washington state um if you don't know pac-12 is awful in bowl games <laughs> um you know they're just a perennial loser in bowl games um they're um the pac-12 between 2014 and 2018 is only 10 and 19 ats um and as a dog or a pick they're one in 11 straight up wow. um so Mike Leach, um, he's four and ten ATS in fourteen career bowl games. So you know, just kind of disappointing finishes to some of these coaches, good teams, and you know, great seasons. They just kind of give up at the end. Um, but then you see the guys that you know are perennial winners and like to win all the time, um, and will keep their team motivated through the end of the year. And I think that's important because it, you know it's a good jump off point for the next season too. You know, you finish with a good win in a bowl game, and you start strong the next season. What's going on, Jacob? Tyler here. Uh, what are your thoughts on OU being the number four seed this year? Did the committee get it right? So, I would... Yes, they got it right um, just because of some certain uh, scenarios. Uh, if Alabama would have beat Auburn, um, you know, I think it would have been different. Um, also, you know, if... Um, Mac Jones wasn't there. You know, he had two interceptions. I, I feel like, you know, he went off in that game, 335 yards passing, four touchdowns, but, you know, he had two interceptions, um, and they lost the game. I feel like if it was them even with a one-point win or a one-point loss, if he didn't have two interceptions and they didn't make some of the sloppy mistakes that they made in that game, um, they could have got their way in there. But they lost. Utah lost. Um, and because of that, I mean, you kind of have to put OU in there. Interesting, interesting. Uh, and I, I want to know a little bit about you. Do you have do you have a favorite team? What's your college team, and how does that does that ever interfere with with your betting mindset? Do you ever let the emotions kind of get in the way of your handicapping? No, my college football team is whoever wins me money on Saturday. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm a I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so um, I mean, I guess I'd have to say Pitt Panthers, but I don't really have a team. Um, it does, it does. I, I feel like it does blindside you, um, you know, with picking, you know, recency bias for your favorite teams winning. Um, honestly, I don't even watch that much college football. I'll check out highlights and um, you know game tape stuff uh, the next day, but um, I feel like you get a lot of bias from you know, watching the same teams over and over again on the weekends who are beating up on lesser teams, it will definitely skew your view at times. 
talking to uh, Jacob Reb. You can follow him on Twitter at Pick Management. Uh, Jacob, we kind of already talked about coaching, but let's kind of get back into that when you're handicapping games. How much does coaching affect your handicap and excuse me, offend your handicapping? And how much do you quantify a coaching advantage game to game? How much does coaching really matter in these bowl games? Um, it depends on the scenario. Um, you know, I'll talk about it more when I give my uh, the games that I like for the uh, the bowl season. Um, but like Washington head coach um, is stepping down this year, uh, Chris Peterson, and you would think that teams will go out and play for that. But um, you know, it's those kind of things that I think matter more um, when it comes to coaching in bowl games. Um, during the year, of course, you know, you're always going to have, you know, the Nick Sabans and, um, you know, Lane Kiffins and Dabo Sweeney's and all those guys who you always hear and who make an impact just because, um, you know, they have the experience, the knowledge and the resources to make a better team. Cool. Uh, let's talk about some of these bowl games. So I want to know maybe what you see as the best, some of the best non-playoff games, not including the playoffs, the other bowl games, and then maybe if you can give us a few, maybe three or four bowl picks if you have any of those for us. Um, sure. Um, honestly, I don't like a ton of games this year. Um, like a lot of these matchups, I'm just not a huge fan of. Um, the one I am really looking forward to for a non-playoff game um, is the Texas-Utah game. Um, you know, like I said before, Tom Herman, you know, he's a perennial dog. Um, he's 15 and five as a dog since 2015, um, four and one, in, and he's four and one ATS in his last five games outside the big 12. Um, and Kyle Whittingham, the Utah coach is eight and four ATS and Utah's just had a great season. Um, you know, they were, you know, within inches of a playoff berth. Um, so I think this will be an exciting game. I think it'll be, um, a good chess match on the field between good, two good coaches and two teams that are still, um, I think willing to play hard. Um, so that would be the, the one other game besides the ones that I'm going to give you as plays that I would look forward to. Um, do you want me to give you my plays now? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, so first I really like Boise state plus three and a half versus Washington, Washington. Um, they're one in 11 ATS the last five years. Um, the pack 12, uh, I mean, that, that's in, uh, for pack 12 in bowl games, um, and the Washington coach, uh, Chris Peterson, like I said, is stepping down. Um, and you would think that would make the team play harder, but I think Boise State is just a better team. They're 7-0 ATS as a dog, and uh, Boise State only lost one game this year, and I think that they play up to competition. While Washington State, the last few games, while they won most of them, I think they floundered. They weren't the impressive wins that you would expect against the teams that they were playing. So I really like uh, Boise State in that game. I kind of like them to get the outright win. So you might want to put 70% of your bet on the spread and maybe 30% you want to sprinkle it on the money line. Interesting. Um, yeah, so the next game I like um, is Navy minus two versus K-State. Uh, Navy opened as a two-point dog and immediately moved to a two-point favorite. Um, you, if you weren't there when the line came out, you didn't have a chance to get them as a dog. And Navy went from a three and nine season um, in 2018 and then they ended last season on a good ATS run and since then they are 13 and three ATS and while K-State is on a 15 and five ATS run the Navy coach Ken Niema Tololo um, <laughs> I've been working on that all day uh, 
is uh, 5-0 and ATS in his last five bowl games. Um, this year, Navy has just really improved. They've gone, uh, they score 38.6 points per game. They're averaging 6.1 yards per rush. Um, they have 51 rushing touchdowns. Uh, I'll tell you how much that is when you know that K-State only had 45 total touchdowns all year. Um, so they had more rushing touchdowns than K-State had total touchdowns. Wow. Um, yeah, so that that's a good fact. And there's one trend that Navy fits into that I really like. Um, teams that want that won zero to three games the previous season and qualified for a bowl game this year are 21 and seven ATS um, over the last five bowl seasons. So that's a good trend that Navy fits into. And I think it's best explained that, you know, you have a bad season next year, you take off and you're hammering teams all year and you don't want to finish your season on a loss. So I think Navy has much more motivation to finish a good year uh, and I like them to, to get the win. Um, and I have just one more. Um, I like the BYU Moneyline versus Hawaii. BYU has been uh, one of the three independent FBS representatives in bowls the last two years. Um, and those independents um, are on a 14-5 and ATS run and 11-0 and straight up as independent bowl favorites going back the last 11 bowl games that they've been into. So I really like independents. And especially BYU versus Hawaii. Um, BYU is twenty-three and eight versus Hawaii all time, and Hawaii doesn't have the defense to stop BYU all game. While BYU isn't the most, you know, explosive team on offense, um, they will take advantage of weak defenses, and I think that's what we'll see here. So those are uh, those are my three plays for uh, the college bowl season. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, make sure you guys check out Jacob once again. Jacob Reb on the show. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's at Pick Management, and check out some of his writing on WindDailyDFS.com. Thanks so much for coming on, Jacob. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Thank you to Jacob Reb for coming on. That was a great interview. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at Pick Management, and uh, check out some of his writing on WindDailyDFS.com. Thank you to Woo's Media, of course, the umbrella under which this podcast is. We've got the uh, the Sharp Angle podcast, the Tyler Runs, the Gambling podcast. Buffs Nation is under that same umbrella. It's not Many just, more coming next year. That's right. More coming next year. It's not just podcasts, though. So you can get digital marketing. Uh, Woos Media specializes in this. It's specific marketing. It's not just generic stuff. You're putting ads in the white pages. You can get straight to the customers that you want. If you're on online, let's say you're, you've been Googling, you're looking for shoes, and all of a sudden you see an ad for it uh, a few minutes later. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's very direct. If you're a business owner, it's the stuff, it's the stuff you have to have. So make sure you check out Woos Media online at woosmedia.com and on Twitter at Woos Media. All right. We got another interview wrapped up for you here. Uh, we had a conversation with Tyler Fessler earlier. He is a little, he's a little bit more like me. He sees college football through the eyes of a fan. Uh, unlike who we just talked to, Jacob Rapp, he's more, he's like Tyler's type. He's the gambling type. So uh, Tyler Fessler, he's got some great stuff. Let's play that back next. Here's Tyler Fessler. All right, now we are talking to Tyler Fessler. He is the current host of the Get the Ball Rolling podcast, and he's coming on joining the Woos Media family starting in 2020 as a podcast host. All right, Tyler, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. 
We uh, we got a whole bunch of college football to get ready for. It is the uh, best time of the year. Tons of uh, bowl games on slate. So before we get to the more quote unquote important games, the bigger games, give us some of your best non playoff games you like to watch. Some of my best non playoff games that I like to watch right now. Um, I've got three of them. So number one, I feel like it's a lock is uh, the SMU FAU game. Uh, I'm taking SMU in that. I know it's in the Boca Raton Bowl, which is basically a, it's a home game for FAU. But I think uh, this SMU team has played super good throughout the entire season. And at one point, they were undefeated. Uh, they obviously have lost a couple games, had a couple key injuries that uh, prevented them from making it to a bigger bowl. But I like that game. Another game that I like, and this is might come to shock, but I like Marshall over UCF in the <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, I take this because Doc Holliday, uh, the coach, the head coach at Marshall, the Thundering Herd, he has not lost a bowl game in his entire tenure there. Uh, I know UCF a couple years back, they beat Auburn, uh, big, you know, New Year's six-day bowl, but uh, I do feel like Marshall is going to get the win there. Also, I'll be watching uh, the Louisville game uh, against Southern Miss in the Music City Bowl. Uh, also, Scott Satterfield, the head coach, his first year at Louisville, he is 3-0 and in bowl games, so I want to be taking that, going a little bit more on the history side and uh, taking those. Those are my three, like, outside of the playoffs. Those are the ones I want to be tuning in and watching. I'm excited for. Uh, Tyler, Will Chambers here. Uh, I got a question for you. Tyler and I kind of go back and forth. We argue with Tyler Walgie, of course. We've got both, two Tylers uh, in, in, it's a great on the name. podcast great right name. now. Uh, we kind of argue sometimes about which is the best conference out of the Power Five. I'm wondering what your opinion is on that. Like, kind of top to bottom, which is the best, and maybe which is the worst, too. In my opinion, this year, I think you, you can't look past the Big Ten. And that's because I think you got to create a couple stipulations to say who's the best conference. Number one, they have a playoff team. I think that that goes without saying. You got to have your conference champion get into the playoffs, and so uh, I, they obviously fulfill that with Ohio State. And then you have a bunch of teams that have played super well throughout the entire season. Kind of a couple surprise teams as well. You got Michigan sitting at nine and three, Penn State at ten and two, uh, Wisconsin at ten and three, Minnesota at ten and two. Uh, if you combine all of their wins and losses, they have a winning percentage of seventy three percent, which is extremely high for uh, a Power Five conference. And likewise, on on the worst side of the conference uh, part is uh, the ACC. Uh, They do have a lot. They do have 10 teams that got full eligible this year. But I think it's just because there's so much, I guess you want to say, parity. They have a lot of teams sitting around 6-6. and I am going to be honest, I have not watched one ACC game this year. Not even (laughs) the championship game. So... I don't. I, I, that's kind of how I rate it. If I'm tuning in to, to I watch plenty of SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12 games, but I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched any ACC football because, quite frankly, it's boring to me. They're not exciting teams. There are a lot of teams that you know. Miami, who gets hot in the beginning of the year, I had a couple wins, and then they end up losing to Panera Bread State or something like that. Like <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm just not a, a huge fan of the ACC this year. All right, let's get to some coach talk, Tyler. Uh, I'm going to give you three coaches. And I want to get your thoughts. If you think they're going to be on the hot seat next year, and if so, how, how hot is that seat going to be? Because these three names are coaching currently for schools who have pretty high expectations. So I want to get your thoughts on Scott Frost in Nebraska, Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, and Tom Herman at Texas. Okay. Um, so to start off, we'll start off with Mark D'Antonio. I don't think he will be on the hot seat. I know that this year was obviously underwhelming with the 6-6 six and six record. And since Jim Harbaugh 
the last couple of years has got the better of the Spartans. But I think that you got to take you got to take into account for how long he's been at Michigan State. I think he's been doing a tremendous job there uh, at at uh, coaching there and doing all the things that he needs to do. Uh, Tom Herman, I think, is a little bit hotter because. Texas this year definitely fell off like the face of the earth. They were ranked super high in preseason. Everyone's hyping him up. Uh, he had a really good bowl game uh, last year. And, and the expectations definitely fell short. So I'd say he's like medium hot. And the hottest, in my opinion, right now is Scott Frost. I do not want to be him. Uh, number one, he's alumni. And uh, I think it's always hard to fire one of uh, your guys, right? You, don't, you never want to fire one of your friends. Uh, people that played for you that that now are brought into the family, brought back. He's supposed to be like the savior to uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, but he has not beat CU yet, and that is a huge, huge, huge thing in Nebraska is to beat Colorado. They have a crazy rivalry there, and uh, if you're not beating your rivals, I don't think you you keep your coaching job for very long. And he was 19th in the preseason poll this year. He fall. He in he only had five. He went five and seven this year. The year before he was four and eight. So he has yet to have a winning season. Now I like to give coaches a little bit more time. Uh, you know, three years after three years, I would make the decision. But if he has another underwhelming season, I would boot him. Uh, Nebraska, they're too big of a school and too recognizable of a brand to not have winning seasons consecutively. Well, I definitely, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about me, Tyler, but uh, I'm a Michigan fan. I hope D'Antonio stays in East Lansing for a, for a long time, so I hope you're right about that. Uh, once again, we're talking with Tyler Fessler here. Uh, he hosts a, a podcast called Get the Ball Rolling. You can find it anywhere that there's podcasts available. Make sure you check that out. Also, you can check him out on Twitter, at GetRolling19. Now, Tyler, I know you're a big college football purist like I am, and, and on this show, uh, uh Tyler Walgie here, he, he kind of brings the gambling side, and I'm more of just like the crazy fan. And my understanding is that you're, you're kind of leaning a little bit more towards my side when it comes to that. So I want to know maybe like a little historical thing. What's your favorite college football game of all time that you remember watching? So I'll give you two right now. Number one, going live, because I've been to hundreds of college football games. My favorite one, uh, in 2011, I was able to attend the, the Colorado uh, against Utah. Uh, I'm a big fan of both schools. I love, obviously, growing up in, in, in northern Utah. I was a fan of the Utes, but uh, I'd followed Colorado pretty much my entire childhood. Buffalo is my favorite animal. And so I was able to see them play. Colorado actually beat the Utes, which was kind of sad, but it was a, it was a win-win situation for me because I was cheering for both. And uh, my favorite game all time, if I was watching it on TV, uh, two years ago in the Rose Bowl, uh, the OU versus Georgia, uh, when it went into double overtime, Baker Mayfield, uh, it was a score of 48 to 54. That was, those two stand out, you know, obviously live and then watching it in person. I love both of those games. Great atmospheres, a lot of fun, uh, but that's just me. All right, let's talk playoffs. Who are you going to be rooting for in the playoffs this year? For me, I don't know how you cannot root for LSU and yeah. Joe Burrow. I mean, his, his Heisman speech almost brought me to tears sitting there in my living room watching the Heisman game. I mean, it was powerful. Uh, you know, Ed Orgeron, the swamp monster, as they call him, right? Uh, he was able to take in a kid that hadn't played for three years, take a risk on him, uh, obviously entered the transfer portal, goes down to Baton Rouge, and totally lights up the world. They're able to, you know, do things that we haven't seen really in offense for a while. I mean, explosive, lots of points. He's pinpoint accurate. I'm, I'm really rooting more so for Joe Burrow just because he wasn't given that opportunity under Urban Meyer and the Ohio State Buckeyes, but to prove to everybody 
that, you know what, some backups, they're going to transfer, and we're going to have an entirely different team the next year. And uh, it's going to be hard also to recruit against LSU after that speech and everything. I want to be cheering for the Tigers, uh, but uh, we'll see how, the, how it all shakes out. Oh, yeah. Go Tigers. I like that. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're rooting for the Tigers. So maybe now you can give us, uh, if you have a few bowl picks, and then your playoff picks after that uh, uh, for the bowl season. So uh, my playoff picks, I will definitely, I want to be taking the Tigers versus the Tigers. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time watching Clemson, like I mentioned before, but I think they're a sleeping giant. I, quite frankly, I think they're bored because they're in such a bad conference. They're like, you know what, we can play our third string against North Carolina. Oh man, they're actually playing. Well, let's throw in our, you know, our first string and we're going to get the win. But uh, I think Clemson's going to get the win there. And then I think LSU will beat Oklahoma handedly. And uh, we're going to have uh, that national championship. I'm going to want to, I'm going to obviously be cheering for uh, the LSU Tigers, uh, obviously taking Joe Burrow and everything, but I think it's going to be a really good game. Also, I want to be taking uh, Utah state over Kent state. I know I got a little bit of a Utah bias, but, uh, they have a kid named Jordan Love. He is electric. I think he'll be potential uh, mid to late first round, maybe second round uh, in the NFL draft. He declared this week as a junior that he'll be entering it. But uh, really watch for his play. I want to be taking them. And then I'm also going to be taking the Utes over uh, the Longhorns. Uh, despite uh, a couple of key players sitting out, obviously uh, Julian Blackman for the Utes and Jalen Johnson won't be playing. Uh, one due to injury, one's foregoing uh, his junior year and uh, entering the draft. But I really like those picks. I like it. And then obviously the ones that uh, that I mentioned before, Marshall over UCF, uh, SMU over FAU, and uh, Louisville over Mississippi State. Good stuff, man. We really appreciate the time. Once again, he is Tyler Fessler. Give him a follow on Twitter at GetRolling19. He's the host of the Get the Ball Rolling podcast. And we are glad to have you on the Woos Media family starting next year. So good stuff, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Tyler. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Thanks again to Tyler Fessler. Make sure you check him out also on Twitter at GetRolling19. Listen to his podcast. He's the host of the Get the Ball Rolling podcast. You can hear it anywhere podcasts are played. Make sure you check him out. And Tyler, we've got some bowl games to break down for this week. We do. Shall we? Let's get into it. All right. First up, the New Mexico Bowl. Do you know where that's played, Tyler? I'm going to go Boca Raton, Florida. Mm, You might think that. No, just classic New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, San Diego State, the Aztecs. Three and a half point favorites here versus Central Michigan, CMU. Now, the Aztecs, they're 9-3 and three this year, had a very good year in the Mountain West. They finished second in the Mountain West West Division. Uh, the Mountain Cent- West West. Yeah. They, they got to come up with some different names I know. There. They have, the, division, or they have the, the Mountain Division and the West Division, <laughs> and the Mountain West seems kind of silly. Remember when the Big Ten did the leaders and legends for yeah, a few years? Yeah, which was – they <laughs> screwed that up. I mean, uh, I, I might be down for realigning the, the, the Big Ten, just that all the good teams – I mean, now I guess a little more even. We don't have to talk about that. Anyway uh, – Hitting a nerve there, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? It's just as a Michigan fan, I'm tired of being in the same division as Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan State every year. But anyway, uh, if they're going to realign, if, if the Mountain West is going to change it, they just need to change the names because that's not cool. But anyway, the Aztecs, 9-3, Central Michigan, 8-5, and five, San Diego State. Look, a really good year for them. I think they by far have the superior defense here. They're actually only giving up 12 points per game right now. That's good for fourth in the country. Central Michigan, on the other hand, they're much more of an offensive team. They have the better offense, and generally speaking, they have to score to win. So if you look at their schedule so far, all five of the Chippewas 
losses, they scored 21 points or less. And then you look at their wins, their eight wins, the lowest point total in any of those eight wins was 38 points. So they're very dependent on being able to score the ball here. And I think that when you talk about a bowl game, I do question. So Central Michigan's head coach, Jim McElwain, it's his first year there. He's done a great job. They had a really, they had a pretty good year in the MAC for for CMU, but I don't know about him being a great motivator for bowl games. He didn't have a great bowl history when he was at Florida. Um, you know, he had a, some good years, obviously, Colorado State before that. But I do question his ability to motivate these CMU players, especially when you're going from Michigan to New Mexico. I don't know, Tower. Do you think that that uh, playing in the New Mexico Bowl is there any excitement to go to New Mexico if you're not from that area? Well, it. D- Probably not if you're from that area, and no, I'm sure a lot of people weren't doing backflips to get to the to the New Mexico Bowl. But we have to remember Central Michigan. What they, I think they had one or two wins last year. Yeah. So this is a team it's that a has been season. abysmal for a long time. So for a typical team, that's the case, you right. know. But even for you know me being a Colorado fan, probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. But Central Michigan hadn't been to a bowl game in a long time. That's so this true. is the first in a while for them. So I think that maybe there is more motivation for them. And I want to give a bit of a pushback to the Jim McElwain not being good in the postseason. That's true. But I think the reason for that is if you look at Jim McElwain's career, his career has kind of been defined by moving. He's he's a mover. He's been yeah. to a lot of different places. So he's on the run a lot of these times at the end of the year. So that'll negatively affect your career postseason stats when you're moving, taking new jobs, so on and so forth. I don't know if it really accurate, accurately reflects him as a postseason coach necessarily. Fair enough. Yeah, and you're right. Maybe they are motivated just by having a good season. San Diego State, though, they're having a good season as well. And look, I just think that this game stays low scoring. I do think that the Aztecs' defense is going to find a way to slow down the Central Michigan offense enough to where they can win this game. And I actually I think they're going to cover as well. I, I'm, not, I'm not fond of that extra half-point hook there with the three-and-a-half line, but I just can't take Central Michigan here. For whatever reason, my gut's telling me not to. I see not a lot of motivation for both teams, so I'm taking the Aztecs to cover. Well, you mentioned motivation. Who do you think would be more motivated? Central Michigan, who's had a couple of bad years in a row, now eight and five, or San Diego State, who is a, actually a team with real goals. Yes, yeah, good so program. I mean, so when when you talk motivation, I don't know if there's really a, a positive for one team or another. Right. So much more than 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 the other coach. Uh, uh, the Chippewas, 9-3-1 against the spread this year, so they've been very good, obviously, outperforming expectations. That's what you're going to get with a bad team when they really turn it around in one year. And I do like Jim McElwain. I think they're going to find a way to slow down the San Diego State offense. San Diego State, a team who had a lot of, as I said, aspirations this year. They wanted to win their conference, win their division. Since they've fallen short this year with a 7-5 and ATS record, by the way, what that says to me is pretty much where the market thought they were going to be this year. I'm going to take the Chippewas plus three and a half. Bet board. You want to bet? What? Would you like to bet on it? For those reasons I just said, I don't think there's much of a motivational edge here for either team. I think, if anything, you give Central Michigan the nod there. And Jim McElwain. I do believe these are inflated numbers for the negative in his career because he has been on the move. No talk this year. He knows he's going to have to have two good years back-to-back at CMU to get that next job up. So he's going to be all in this season. I believe his team's going to be all in this season. Central Michigan, eight seniors right now who have been there through all all the bad times. Give me CMU plus three and a half this weekend in the 
Uh, what bowl is that? That is the New Mexico Bowl mm. played in New Mexico, believe it or and not. And you know the thing about I don't know, this What's game? the sponsor, though, actually? I didn't catch that. What the I New Mexico sponsor? Because there's some really fun sponsors for some of these games. I don't have The next up. one that we're going to talk about. Well, that's okay. We don't, it's but, but, hey, before we get to the next game, yeah. um, the Aztecs and the Chippewas. Do you know what a Chippewa is? Isn't it like a chipmunk? or a It's not. It's a, it's a, they're Na- is it a Native American? Yeah, yeah, That yeah. makes sense. Well, there's Native a, American, sorry. Uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> come on, Tyler. It's 2019. Um, in Michigan, that's you know they had a lot of tribes up there. If you've, anyone that's been to Michigan knows a lot of the towns, a lot of these schools, uh, rivers, uh, all kinds of stuff are named after different... They have a lot of tribal names. Yeah, and so the Chippewas... That, so you have the Chippewas and then the Aztecs. So you kind of have two groups of humans here, you know, that at one time were defined by certain things. Aztecs have a little That's stronger point. history. That's my point here. Is if we're Central going America, just, just yep. the the mascots here, the Aztecs are a little stronger in terms sure. of what you're looking for from a people. Yeah, they're 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 more of a they're like a blue chip program when it yeah. comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we're gonna look past Fair that enough. chip was here. Well we got the bet board game. Next one up. I love this sponsor. I don't know what it is. I didn't bother looking it up. The Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. No, 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 no. It's the Cherubunder, Cherubundi Tart Cherry. Oh, really? It, yeah, the whole, the whole name is the Cherubundi when I looked it up Tart. All I saw, so Cherubundi is the it's, company. I think it's Cherubundi Tart. Okay. The, or Cherubundi, but it's the Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. Boca Raton Bowl. Yeah. That's just got such a good ring to it. <laughs> uh, the Boca Raton Bowl played, of course, in Boca Raton. They really got to come up with some better names than just the city that it's played in, right? Yeah. I'd like to have a little more mystery here, the Boca Raton Bowl. But anyway, uh, SMU, they are three and a half point favorites here versus FAU, Florida Atlantic. This is actually a game, I believe, uh, our interview Tyler, Tyler Fessler yep. had. He liked SMU in this one. I also like SMU in this one. So SMU, they're ten and two, having a great year. Shane Bouchelle has been huge for them at quarterback. But FAU, they're having a good year too. They went ten and three. Uh, they won the conference USA. But another big motivator here, the Lane Train. He's gone. So this one, this one, this game is good. That's right. That's right. He left. This this one's going to definitely provide some points. We got two really good offenses. Both teams are offensive minded. But with the Lane Train being gone, he left for Old Miss. I do wonder if maybe the you know, that can kind of play two ways. Either the players are sad that their coach left them or maybe they're motivated to say, hey, coach, you shouldn't have left us. We're going to show you why. Either way, Lane's not there. That I don't, I don't know how you can really quantify that as a huge positive. Meanwhile, for SMU, they've got Shane Bichelle uh, playing quarterback. He's had a huge year. I think he's the best player in this game, and I think SMU, frankly, should just be the better team. Look, all due respect to the Conference USA uh, and all, all the teams in the Conference USA, and obviously FAU winning it, but the AAC, the American, is a much tougher conference. I put a lot of weight when I when I think about bowl games into what conference did they play in. Uh, it, it's one much better because yeah, FAU won their conference, but if if the American is that much better than than Conference USA and SMU, even though they did finish third in their division, they were, the teams they were behind were very good. It was uh, Memphis and Navy, both you know double digit win teams. So I think the ACC is a better conference. I think SMU is better tested, and I am afraid the Owls, uh, the Owls from FAU, I think they'll lack motivation with Lane Kiffin being gone. I know the game is basically a home game for them with it being in Boca Raton, 
but I'm going to take SMU here, minus three and a half. The reason why FAU's been so good is because of Lane Kiffin. When he leaves, I don't think if these kids want to prove him a message, it makes any difference at all. They're not going to be able to prove that message because they're not going to have a head coach calling plays to prove that message. The reason they were so good this year was because of Lane Kiffin. I still believe Lane Kiffin has a lot left in the tank. I know he's kind of a punchline now. He's become a meme. He's become a joke. And really, I mean... Kind I don't of all his blame. doing, though, right? No, exactly. I don't <laughs> yeah. blame a lot of that, but I still do think this guy knows football. You know, if he can get past all the... I've heard him on so many interviews. Dan Patrick used to have him on all the time on NBC when he was on the NBC Sports Network. I love... One thing I love about Lane Kiffin, he doesn't give a shit. This guy <laughs> right. is going to say what he's going to say, do what he's going to do. He doesn't really care about anybody, and it seems like he's content with that. It doesn't yeah. seem like there's too much second-guessing going on with him. So if he can get past the non-football stuff, I think he could be an all-timer. I really do. It's the football stuff that I think he's great at. Right. Now that he's gone, I don't care if FAU has a point to prove. SMU is going to be the better team, and I think they win, cover the three points, give me the uh, Mustangs. All right, we're both on that. It's funny that you say that uh, That when you're talking about Lane Kiffin that you know he doesn't care what people think, and he does and says whatever he wants. And the first thing that popped into my head was Mike Leach. But it kind of seems right. like Lane Kiffin is like, Mike Leach if Mike Leach was like taking his medication you know what I mean like he doesn't he doesn't like yeah he doesn't care what people say and he'll he'll run his mouth a little bit but he doesn't say like crazy shit uh, where yeah. and and so maybe actually Mike Leach is just what Lane Kiffin will be in another 30 Probably. years or whatever yeah we're just I hope so view in the future there <laughs> uh next game up the Las Vegas Bowl where's this one being played I don't know uh the Vegas Bowl by the way the new stadium being built in Vegas uh-huh man that thing is going to be awesome how close is it to being done you were just there um, obviously it is well i mean i'm not sure well this is the last year for the raiders like uh, yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's gonna be ready by the start of next season okay i'm not sure if it's gonna be a month or three months or whatever but that thing looks nice yeah. it looks super, where is it is it close to the strip right next to the strip no yeah. and you know t-mobile arena where the vegas golden ice play is uh-huh. on the strip oh wow right next to the that's uh, awesome. new, york, new york this is probably a Two or three minute drive from there, just on the other side of the highway, okay. right next to the strip. It's going to be a huge, beautiful state. And it has that black updated. It's going to have a kind of an intimidating look. It's yeah. going to have like the Death Star. Is it with the Death Star black on Star Wars? No, the Death oh. Star looks more like a moon. It's okay, kind of like huh. a pale grayish <laughs> color. You would I, I think I'm thinking of Darth Vader. Generally, stars aren't dark, Tyler. Um, it's a, well, yeah. It's a black hole. That's what you're but, thinking. But, but Star Wars. Which, oh, sorry. Sorry, Raiders follow. fans, to mention the black hole with the new stadium in Las Vegas. Sorry about that. It doesn't follow. Star Wars doesn't follow a whole lot of scientific truths. If you How hear dare Neil, you, Neil deGrasse sir? Tyson break down Star Wars. How dare you? A lot of lot of things in there that don't follow suit so don't bring this stars aren't you know what if we need to debate nonsense. the science behind lightsabers and, i'm happy and to while we're getting scientific here actually will when we observe stars they are dark what we're seeing is the light reflected from the way the stars were at one point beaming and so when you look at many stars today we will see the residual effect of many stars when they are in fact dark well, so to get technically yep, with it, you here, yep. Tyler, technically i am too smart i am too smart now, I am too smart. Your statement. I am too smart. S M R T. I mean S M A R T. Your statement is only technically, it's only partially true because oh. you're right. Some of those stars may have burned out. We're getting so scientific here. Some of them might still be glowing. So you're right. We are looking back in time, though, as they say. There we go. With them being so far away. Mm. Man, we strayed far there. Anyway, the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, we got the Washington Huskies 
Three and a half point favorites here versus Boise State. This Weird was game. Another game that uh, that Jacob Reb liked here. He picked Boise State plus the points. Now this is an interesting one. Washington had a bit of a dis- disappointing year. They're seven and five. That's certainly not up to the standard that Chris Peterson had set there. And Boise State twelve and one, which is actually the standard that is set at Boise State. We're used to seeing them dominate the Mountain West and do very well. Now the the bowl committees or whoever is making these matchups clearly just wants to see Chris Peterson cry on TV. That's I think that's their whole goal with this. <laughs> it's perfect for good TV and for storylines. So with this one, you can expect a bunch of sappy, emotional ESPN stories and interviews about Chris Peterson and the Boise State head coach Brian Harson being Chris Peterson's assistant at one point. And definitely just be ready to see the Statue of Liberty play, the replay of that about a thousand times. Because that's the whole history of Chris Peterson is that he went to Boise State, they beat Oklahoma, he blew up on the scene, and then he left it and went to Washington. So this is like an emotional storyline yeah. game. But I think that I thought that you'd be going the other way here. You're the college football purist. You're the one who gets into this stuff. I thought you would be shedding a tear. No, I will. Talking about all this. I'm a sucker. You're, you're right. Okay. I'm their target market. Like, I'm going to be the one watching it like, that's not great. Uh, I'm going to miss you Chris uh, but I'm just I'm, what I'm doing is I'm warning the listeners so that's, this is his final that's the, so he they, is coaching they didn't pick these teams because they think it's a great matchup I don't think I mean I don't, I'm not saying it won't be but it, they probably could have found better matchups for both these teams if they wanted to I just really think they want that emotional edge they want to feed ESPN and Fox on them with these great storylines so the committee is not out for the best games possible are you sure it's a conspiracy are you sure Will we're getting more into conspiracy talk <laughs> That's real. I don't know that there is a like a governing board or committee for all the bowl games. I know like the individual bowl games they they offer to teams. I'm sure there's like some guy in a dark room that's that's you know pushing the buttons and and pulling the strings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. It is a conspiracy. It's all a great conspiracy. But uh, no, I don't look. I don't care because this is an emotional game. I'm throwing out the stats in this one which is a foolish thing. Jacob Reb, who we just had on the sports game, where Tyler, you both would call me a square and an idiot for this, and that's fine. I'm throwing out the stats. This game is all about Chris Peterson. He's announced he's retiring, he's, and he's leaving Washington after this game. He uh, Earlier than everyone would, have, everyone would have guessed. You know, No one saw this coming. There were no leaks. No one knew it was happening, and he's going to be taking an administrative job with uh, the University of Washington. He's not going anywhere else for now. And look... When it comes to bowl games, we talked about it earlier with some of the guys we interviewed, and you and I talk about it all the time. With bowl games, motivation is such a huge factor here. And I will forever and always pick the team with a legendary coach who's retiring for the team to send him out with a win. Uh, I don't have stats and history to back up this assumption, but we all know how much motivation plays into bowl season. And what better motivation could you have if you're a player for Washington than to send out the great head coach with a win and against his former team where he first made his legendary story. I just think it's perfect. So I think, look, I think Boise's very good. I think they're going to keep it close and especially in the first half, but I do think Washington will pull away late. I think they're going to send out Chris Peterson with a big win. I think they will cover this points. So I'm taking the Huskies. Uh, I believe it's going to be a distraction. Um, oh, wow. For two reasons. I think that these players are going to hear all week long. The story's going to be about Chris Peterson and I just have a hard time believing that all of the effort goes into sending him off. Let's face it, Washington is a team that brought in a couple older guys, but they've got a lot of young talent, and they're wondering, what are the next couple years going to look like for me? A lot of the players in Washington aren't going to be so concerned with winning this game, 
what is Washington football going to look like in 2020, 2021? Am I still going to get an NFL bid? Are we still going to be Pac-12 contenders? We're coming off a 7-5 and five year where we were picked by a lot of people to win our division, maybe even the conference. Right. So the reason why Washington is 7-5 and five this year isn't because a whole lot of things went wrong and they lost a couple games in overtime. It's because they were an average team in an average conference. So I'm going to take what I think is actually the better team and, and ask yourself this. Brian Har- uh, Harson or Harkin? Harson. Brian Harson right now knows Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson knows Brian Harson. Okay, so I think that's kind of a wash. Both coaches are going to be bringing things out that the other one hasn't seen before. But when you have a coach who's on his way out, he's doing the media rounds, and he's, I'm sure uh, his wife and his family and his kids have been a big, big part of this week. It's a different approach than the mentor playing the, or the, than the uh, protege playing the mentor with frankly all of his cards still in the deck he's got next year he's on he's on the staff he's bringing back his whole team they want to go into next season with momentum you won't hear one college football coach out there say losing a bowl game is a good thing everyone i think college football coaches actually put way too much stock into winning a bowl game because they say it gives you momentum for the offseason yeah this is a championship game for boise they drew a team from the pac-12 a team who they need and want to make a point against i think we're actually getting a very similar team if not a better team with motivation against a distracted team i'm gonna go boise state plus the three and a half points here want to bet what would you like to bet on it? And again, a big part of my cap is these young players on Washington not necessarily just being distracted this week, even though they are going to be answering a lot of questions about their coach. I just think it's a human nature thing. You know, you're talking to your girlfriend at night, you're home watching TV. It's just natural for any human being to say, our boss is going, our leader's going, the guy who recruited me here is leaving. What's my future going to be like? Because of all that, we're gonna we're on Boise. Okay, well, fair enough. I, I like being on the other side. This one, I think, is gonna go my way. I think this is gonna help my comeback, right? Isn't here, that a Tyler. song? Hey, do you wanna go my way? Do do. Are you gonna go my way? Yeah. Who is yeah. that? I don't know. Ugh. I wanna go Sounds Nelly. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think that's like a song from the '60s. Next, but not least, or last but not least, the Hawaii Bowl. All of these bowls. <laughs> Very God damn. Could they come up with better names, please? Just wait till we get to the Cheez It Bowl next week, Will. Yeah, yeah, which of course is played in uh, Cheez It, Wisconsin. (laughs) Um, The Hawaii Bowl. BYU minus two. It looked. Technically, you know, bowl games are supposed to be neutral. They're going at Hawaii. This game is yeah. being at Hawaii. They're playing Hawaii, Hawaii in the Hawaii, play in the Hawaii Bowl. Bowl every year. Yeah, I was going to get to that. So Hawaii, they play another home game in the Hawaii Bowl. Such a great tradition for college football. The Hawaii Bowl, it's only been around since 2012. We have, we've had 16 Hawaii, or sorry, 2002, 16 Hawaii Bowls in total. Ho- University of Hawaii has played in eight of them. That's half of them. I don't know why they keep doing that. I mean, I get it. It's a pain for them to travel so far but you would think that like maybe you'd want to send other teams to the hawaii bowl and send hawaii other places but no uh the rainbow warriors they've they've played in this game eight times and they're only four and four straight up in those eight games so yeah isn't that funny i guess that hawaii look they're not having to travel it kind of seems like an advantage you know obviously it being a home game i believe it's played in their stadium but i do wonder if that maybe will be a disadvantage emotionally look byu they're on vacation. They're at the beach, Tyler's favorite place. Uh, they're knocking on doors, converting Native Islanders. They're having fun. They're happy to be there, right? Then you look at Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors. They they live there. This is just another home game to them. Nothing special. 
I know they get like the bowl game package. They're all going to get a PlayStation and a gift card to Outback Steakhouse, Tyler's real favorite Ooh, place. Love Outback. <laughs> uh, but it's not. It's different, right? They don't. It, they won't have that bowl game feeling of going and traveling to a new city and you walk around and the whole team goes bowling and they put it on ESPN and all that. Right. So, look, I don't like that from an emotional standpoint. Then you look, and these teams, they know each other fairly well. This game will be the third meeting in as many years, and it hasn't gone well for Hawaii. But uh, BYU has won the last five against Hawaii, including twice in Honolulu since 2011. They won the last two years. I'm all over the Cougars here. I like BYU. I like BYU in a lot of games because another factor people don't think about is that these players, almost all these players, they went on – a, a mission. They went on a mission after high school when they graduated. So a lot of these players are older. Some of them are, you know, 23, 24 years old, whereas you're not going to see that at Hawaii. I think that gives them, a, they're a little bit more mature. Um, everyone knows the difference between a 23-year-old and a 19-year-old. You know, it may only be four years, but from a maturity standpoint, that's a big deal. I think everything is going in BYU's favor here. I love them at minus two also. I love that it's less than three points. So I'm all over the Cougars here, BYU. Want to bet? What? Would you like to bet on it? So we will have three of the four games this week on the bet board. I'm going to go Hawaii for a couple reasons here. I am fading BYU. And what's funny is this game brings me back to a couple points I made on one of our first podcasts this season. I'm not on BYU anymore. I think the eggs, Bronco Mendenhall leaving is going to eventually leave a gap bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to see that come to fruition. This is going to be one of the first, oh, okay, we're in postseason football. This is a different team. They're 7-5. and five. They're traveling. They're on vacation. They're going to have to be hyper-focused this game. I think fading BYU all season in certain, certain situations, this is another one of those spots for me where I'm going to fade BYU. I don't like them in the next couple of years. I think they lost a lot of what made them great with their coach leaving. But on the other side, I've been on Hawaii this year. Remember the week one where I took Hawaii against Arizona? Yeah. And I just believe that Hawaii's actually a very good football team. You look at their stats. Cole McDonald this year is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. He's got 29 touchdown passes, a quarterback rating in the year where they throw the ball about 50 times a game of 144.4. They can rush the ball. They're not great keeping the ball on the ground. 5.1 yards a carry uh, for the team. But I don't think they're going to have to run the football for BYU. They're going to keep it in the air, score points, and I think they wear BYU down. Plus, this line says to me, this is the carrot. They want... The market is often trying to deceive, okay? That's when people ask me the biggest difference between the sports market and the stock market. My answer is always, the stock market is true. The sports market is often meant to trick you and deceive. This minus two is weird to me because I think a lot of people are going to think what you said. It's not three. We're still getting that good number, even up to two and a half, wanting to take the probably the better team, not factoring in external factors like it's on the road it is a home game for BYU for Hawaii right I know Hawaii also four and four last eight games which is pretty telling I did not know that before this in the Hawaii Bowl in the Hawaii Bowl yes but I think Hawaii is just a better team this season they brought back a lot of guys this year or from last year I actually thought they were going to be one of the better teams in the Mountain West this year they went to the Mountain West championship lost to uh uh, Boise in the Mountain West uh championship game we just got done talking about how good Boise is Hawaii is a real team, and I think that still, at this point in the year, people just don't watch Hawaii. People don't like Hawaii. They're not a public team. I think we're getting, actually, some some value here with uh, the Warriors playing at home. 
not so much motivation, and I, I do like to start with motivation for all of these games. I think it's maybe the most important factor, that in conferences, like you mentioned earlier. But I don't see too much of a motivational edge for either team. I think BYU, they had goals this year. They're 7-5. and five. They're not really... Their, their goal was not to end up in the middle of the conference and go to the Hawaii Bowl. And Hawaii, you know, you could actually make the argument that they had more. Uh, had bigger goals. They knew how good they were. Right. They knew how many people yeah. they were bringing back. So I don't think motivation really has too much of a part in this game. I'm just looking at the X's and O's. I'm going to go what I think is the slightly better team, a little bit of value here at home. I love it. I love that we got three more bet board games. If I go 3-0, and Tyler, you're going to be sweating, man. Uh, you're going to be sweating big so time. 11-5-2, and two, and I'm on a three-game losing streak. Yep. So for we'll sure. See. So we're going to extend that to six. Uh, <laughs> Six-game skid for Tyler. Uh, he's gonna be, he's gonna be pretty close. He's gonna be sweating if not, you know. And then if he has another bad week, then he's gonna be like, you know, on the edge of the bridge. I think he's gonna be on the ledge. We'll see. Well, we got yeah. a lot of football to come up. A yeah, lot of football for sure. That's our show for this week, guys. Uh, next couple weeks, we're gonna be breaking out all the big bowl games, the playoffs. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you give us a good review. Go give us a five star review on iTunes. Help us out. Uh, help help grow the show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter also at CFB Weekly. Talk to you next week.